folks. Well, if you have your Bible, let's turn to 2 Thessalonians. And uh, we're going to be starting in 2 Thessalonians. I think if you have a pew Bible, I think I looked it up, but I think it's on page 989. That's where we're going to be at today. So we love the Word of God, don't we? <laughs> we love the Word of God. And uh, so many times, though, it seems like people have a difficult time getting started in their own personal quiet time. So let me just let you know that I am available to help you to do that. I mean, if you think about the Bible, it's 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. It can be bewildering as to know where to start. And so if you're having trouble or maybe you have never started your own personal quiet time, give me a call and let me help you. <laughs> we'll get started in an easy book like the book of John where we get to read about Jesus and just answer some basic questions and go through some things that can kind of make the, the Bible less bewildering because it really does all fit together. It's the most amazing book, you know, put together over probably about 1,500, 2,000 years. And yet throughout the whole Bible, it has the theme, same theme, that God loves us, that he wants to provide for us a way to escape from our sin and have a, an eternal relationship with him. So, uh, you know, if you need help, uh, just give me a call. I'd be glad to help you. But for today, we're going to be going to 2 Thessalonians. We recently, just within the last couple months, finished up 1 Thessalonians. So we're pretty familiar with this audience. It's a young church whom Paul helped establish. And they were really an amazing church. He, he called them in essence, the model church. They had done just about everything right. He commended them for their faith, for their labor of love, their steadfastness. And he ultimately kind of concluded, in my words, they were the real deal. They weren't some church who was just going through the motions. They actually loved the Lord Jesus Christ. They loved telling others about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul commends them in just about every way that he can. They were Paul's hope, joy, and crown. In other words, uh, he expected that in the afterlife when the Lord Jesus would review his life and hold him accountable, Paul would be able to point to the church at Thessalonia and say, look at what your grace did in, the, in this town. Uh, he also taught them that our love should help establish others in the faith because we are all on a journey to holiness. And so I appreciate everything that's been said today. We are on a journey to holiness. And some people might say, well, that's, you know, that's impossible to attain any kind of perfection or holiness in this lifetime. But I understand that sentiment, but we can do a lot better, right? <laughs> we, can do, we can do a lot better toward that goal. And we have the Holy Spirit to uh, to help us along the way. He tells them that, that God is with them in the midst of their trials and that we have great hope. He, he promises them and tells them that Jesus is going to return for them like a thief in the night. And he tells them to honor your leaders in the faith and do not quench the Holy Spirit. So that's just a short synopsis of what he taught them in the first book that he wrote to them. And now we're going to be looking at 2 Thessalonians, and today we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. So let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. 
as we start out on this new venture. And really, this is kind of a different type of sermon, and you'll see that in just a minute. But let's go ahead and read. It's from Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfast, steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be found considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in a flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray over the scripture. Father, we thank you so much for this scripture, and it's, it's just glorious in how it presents the return of Jesus Christ, his coming for us, but also his inflicting of vengeance. It's, it's an awesome section of scripture. And by awesome, I meant a scripture to be reverenced, a scripture to be feared almost, because of the terrible punishment that is going to come for those who do not obey the gospel. And so we want to do everything that we could on, can on this side of eternity to help people to see the light and to know the truth of the gospel that Jesus saves and all who come to him will not be turned away but can have salvation through Jesus Christ. So we pray that you would help us to understand the words of this but also help us to see the pattern that Paul is establishing as to how he is positive toward the Thessalonians and affirms what they are doing. That's equally as important. And so help us to understand in all these things, we will give you honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. And so I wanna kind of make clear here that there's kind of two tracks to this sermon. So there's one track, which we're actually gonna talk about what the verses actually say and that application. But also I want you to see that I believe there's a pattern here about how Paul on a regular basis when he's speaking to people helps be positive toward them and affirms them in their faith. And so those two things we're gonna be looking out for and we're gonna to try to do them both together and I don't know how well that's gonna work out but uh, you have your handout that's gonna kinda of help you through this. 
but be looking on ways that we can affirm those that we speak to and we can also uh, be positive to them. So this letter, of course, is from Paul. It's also entitled that it's from Silvanus and Timothy. Paul, we know pretty well. He's the one who was formerly known as Saul. And on the road to Damascus, he had a great uh, vision of the Lord Jesus Christ and came to know Christ as his Lord and Savior at that part, at that point. And he became, ever since that time probably, as the apostle to the Gentiles. And so what did Paul do? He took, he took his mandate seriously from the Lord Jesus. And after some training and after a few years, he began to go all throughout the known world with the gospel. And he would go from city to city. And he would, first of all, probably if there was a synagogue, he would go to the synagogue and speak. But then he would also speak to the Gentiles and he would tell them, the good news of Jesus Christ, and they would believe, and he would establish churches in each one of those cities. And so he happened to go to Thessalonica, and this is where he established a church. And we also know that he established churches in Ephesus and Galatia and, and many, many other churches as well. So this Paul we know pretty well as the apostle to the Gentiles. Silvanus, we may not know quite as well. He's not spoken quite as much in the New Testament as, as Paul, but he was a constant, um, constant companion of his during his second missionary tour. You may have heard him in other books of the Bible referred to as Silas. So Silas and Silvanus are the same person. It's just that different people called him by uh, a Greek name or a Hebrew name, and so... If you see Silas, it's also Silvanus. Uh, and then Timothy, we probably know Timothy. We've been through some of the books of Timothy, I think, maybe First and Second Timothy, both of those. Uh, it's a personal name, meaning honoring God. He's the one who is a very trusted friend and co-worker of Paul as well. Uh, Paul placed a lot of faith in uh, Timothy and sent him on various missions by himself uh, to take the gospel. He's the one who maybe had a, a kind of a fear of timidity. Maybe he was a little bit more of an introvert like some of us, not as bold about getting up in front of people. But the amazing thing is, is that God can do amazing things through us if we allow him to, right? And so Timothy, even though he may have been somewhat of an introvert, Paul told him to rekindle the gift of evangelism that he had received from the Holy Spirit. And he did that, and he was a, a powerful witness and, you know, co-authored or at least was there when Paul wrote this letter to the Thessalonians. And so this greeting that Paul gives is very important. And this is where we're going to kind of get into the aspect of how do we engage people in a positive and affirming way? Because I believe we want to do that, right? We want to do that. We want to engage people, but we want to do it in a positive way, we want to do it in an affirmative way. We don't want it to be in a judgmental type of way. And so we're going to be talking about that. And actually, uh, the greeting is the first step that I have down that is so important. And I'll just give you those, I'll just give you these four steps so you can be thinking about them as we go through here. The first step is that Paul greets them. He just greets them. And we'll talk a little bit later about why that is important, but he greets them. Secondly, he shows thanks for them and for their lives and their walk with Christ. He's thankful for them. 
Thirdly, he encourages them with truth from the word of God. And finally, he prays for them. So what is so important about Paul's greeting that we would include it in this section, this teaching on being positive and being affirmative? Well, sometimes the way we greet people is the first impression they get of us, right? And sometimes we mess it up and we have to maybe go back and apologize at how we greeted someone or didn't greet them. But just imagine, Paul gives, in, in every book that he writes, he gives them some, kind of, some type of a greeting. And usually they're similar. You know, usually he says it's from Paul. Usually he says, grace to you. But just imagine if the Thessalonians had not received a greeting in this letter. He just started off with commandments, things they had done wrong. It would have a whole different flavor, right? <laughs> it would have a whole different flavor. His greeting is very important. In his greeting, he, he also mentions the other uh, disciples who are with him. And this way, the Thessalonians know that there is a group of people behind him. He gives them encouraging words. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And by that, he's telling them that, uh, that their fears as they go through affliction can be calm because God is in control. And I, think this, I think this greeting and how we greet people is very important. Imagine someone comes into our church or maybe, or maybe they come into your home and you say nothing at all to them. Not a good impression, right? <laughs> Not a good impression. Uh, how we greet people, whether it's the first time we've met them or maybe we've seen them for a long, you know, been around them for a long time. If our greeting is lacking or if it is harsh, then it sets a bad tone for the whole encounter with them. And so our, the way that we greet people is important. I think it's important that we kind of uh, say the niceties, you know, how was your day? Those things are important, even though we say them over and over again, but uh, those things are important. Uh, but this also, this greeting, I think, is a way for us to get past some of the surface conversations that we have and go to a little bit deeper level in our relationship if we do it right. And so, the greeting is very important, and we'll talk about getting a little bit deeper in our, in our relationships. But that's what we ultimately would like to do, isn't it? Would we like to have deeper relationships and not maybe the surface relationships? And we talked about this in our relationship with God. We definitely don't want to just have a surface relationship with him. We want to have a true abiding relationship with him where we experience all the joy and goodness that he has for us. And the same thing in our relationships with our people, and it all starts, I think, with the greeting. How do we greet people? We should greet them well, we should greet them with kindness, and we should work toward a deeper relationship with them. And so the greeting is very important. The second thing that I had down is, is Paul's thankfulness for, her, for the Thessalonian church. He is extremely thankful for this church, and he's not afraid to tell them about that. He gives thanks to God for the, their faith and that their faith is abundantly growing. And I was challenged by that. And I wonder if my faith is growing the way their faith is growing. And I wonder if our church's faith is growing the way that their church's faith was growing. 
because our faith needs to be growing and it will grow as we step out in faith by different outreach events that we do, different encounters that we make with people. Our, our uh, faith will begin to grow, but he, he commends them. He's thankful for their growing faith. And this is a very positive way to say to them, you know, I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm glad for the direction that you're going. We are celebrating what God is doing in your life. And then secondly, he says that he's thankful that everyone, everyone is increasing in their love for one another. Imagine that. Not some of you, not a part of you, not the leadership, but everyone and their love is increasing for one another. I just think that's amazing. And he commends them for it, of course. He's looking for many of the positive things that he can reinforce in their life. And we should do the same thing in people's lives. We should focus on the good things that are happening in their lives. We all know <laughs> that all of us do things that are not good necessarily. But why point those out? Why not point out good things, encourage someone, instead of pointing out the things that they have done, I've done bad. And I think that's what Paul is doing here. He's focusing on the good. He's celebrating what God is doing in their life. They're stead they were steadfast in their faith, even in the midst of uh, persecution. They were steadfast in faith in the midst of persecution. So we can take an example from the Thessalonians. We, in some ways, are going through the beginnings, I believe, of persecution in our country. And we forget sometimes about many people in the world, Christians, who have always experienced persecution. And uh, it is terrible. Um, I heard someone say that the persecution of Christians in the world today is the worst that it has ever been. And there are more Christians dying for their faith right now than there have ever been, even during the early New Testament times. But they were steadfast in the midst of their persecution, and he points that out to them as a way of encouraging them. And so Paul is very thankful for the church, and we should be thankful for each other as well. I would love to see in our conversations us have these four things in our mind and be thinking, I'm going to greet so-and-so. How can I do that with kindness? How can I do that with gentleness? How can I do it in a way that's going to lift their spirits and let them know that God is concerned for them? And then how can I be thankful for this, for this person? How can I express that to them? What have maybe they done this week that has inspired me and aspired me to greater heights in my own faith? And then the third thing that I have down here is that Paul, Paul, his encouragement to the Thessalonian church. They're going through affliction. They need to be encouraged. And we need to be encouraged as well. We come across people every day who would love to have a word of encouragement. Now let me point out, I am not one who is big on puffing people up so that they are, have a, a, a pride that is wrong, right? There can be a pride that God opposes. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So it's not about puffing one up, but it's about genuinely giving someone encouragement. 
uh, for the good things they have done, for the way that they're living their life. Paul says that their steadfastness in their afflictions, this is a way of him encouraging them, is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. In other words, you're going through this affliction, and I want you to know that God is with you in this. You're not just doing it of yourselves, but God is there helping you as you go through this affliction. God's grace is helping them. That's why Paul, by the way, prays that grace be with you. That is not just a throwaway greeting, but he is actually praying for the people that God's grace would be with them. And what I mean by that, let me explain. Because typically we think of grace as involved in our salvation, that we are saved by grace. It's not by works. But the life we live as Christian is also by grace. Amen? Amen. It's also that grace doesn't go away the moment that you are saved. What Paul is saying, I want more of God's grace to be with you. And in essence, he's saying, I want more of God's power and abilities to be evident in your life so that you can live this life in a way that glorifies God. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, in your affliction, this, this is not Satan working in your life. This is God giving evidence of his righteous judgment that you are on the right track. Even though the affliction may say, make you think that you are on the wrong track, you are actually on the right, wrong tra right track. This is evidence of the righteousness of God. I know that terminology is a little bit different. But that's exactly what it means. It means that he is approving of the way they are handling their affliction. And that had to be very encouraging to them. It's evidence of God's grace helping them to persevere in their life. And he goes on to say that they are to be considered worthy for the kingdom of God through their suffering. Now, this is not... This is not language we use a lot either, right? But it's in the Bible, right? That they may be considered worthy for the kingdom of God through suffering. And what Paul is not saying here is that in any way are they paying for their salvation or earning their salvation. He's just saying that God is working in you in such a way that it's evident that you are worthy for the kingdom of God, not through your own works, but through what God is doing in your life. And that's probably the best way that I can explain that. But it does not mean that we earn our salvation. It doesn't mean that we can beat ourselves on our chests and say, well, I did better than everyone else and I'm deserving of my salvation. No, it means that we recognize God is working in us and it's evident that he's working in us with how we handle our afflictions and uh, that's why we can be considered worthy for the kingdom of God. And so he encourages them in the midst of their affliction. This is the evident righteousness, evident righteous judgment of God. And they're considered worthy of the kingdom of God. And then he also encourages them by saying that God is going to give them relief at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Is that not awesome? <laughs> All I could think of is, oh, what a relief it is. That's a commercial somewhere, right? I think it's for Alka-Seltzer or something like that. But man, isn't it going to be a wonderful day when Jesus returns and this 
it feels like, and I know we shouldn't carry a burden, we should give it all to Christ now, and he's, he can take that now, but, but boy, when he comes, what a relief it's going to be. The second coming will bring relief from all of our pain and suffering for the gospel. And uh, Jesus will make things right. In fact, he goes on and says, he says, not only will you be relieved of your afflictions, but those who are afflicting you now, your enemies, God is going to inflict upon them vengeance. And we don't talk about this very much, but there is a time of vengeance. There is a time of judgment that is coming for those who reject God and who do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's almost directly words from the text. This is a, a vengeance that God performs, not us, right? It is not us to seek out vengeance or to retaliate, but God will make all things right. He is a just God, and in the end, all things will be made right. But this is done by God, not us. And it's upon those who do not know God, according to this scripture, those who do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, it's those who have heard the gospel and they've rejected it. And it's those who, even though they have not heard the gospel, know that there is a God who exists and have rejected him. And so we must obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's why many times you've heard me say the gospel is more than just an invitation. It is a commandment that we are commanded to do is to be obedient to the gospel, to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and follow and seek after him. So that's the third step. The third step is that Paul gives them encouragement. He gives them a encouraging uh, word from the word. And we should, I think, emulate that as well. And so if we think about this, your quiet time becomes very important. In many, in many ways, right? It becomes important because of your soul needs to be fed the word of God. But like the Dead Sea, if water is always coming in but never going out, the Dead Sea becomes salty and nasty and cannot support life. So our quiet time is important because we have God's word coming into our life and feeding us, but we have to have an exit for that word it's not meant to stay within us it's meant to go out from us and so this is how we should view our quiet time is god what word will you give me today that i can share with someone else to encourage them Amen. we should we should be thinking about that i mean we're, we're really good about getting a word from god and storing it up and enjoying it and thinking about it but unless it goes out then we're not actually doing the word of God. And so we should be thinking about this. And I'm not saying it's going to happen every day, but think in your quiet time when you read scripture, what, what is good in here that can feed my soul, but also will help and benefit someone else as well. So then finally, my fourth point, Paul prays for the Thessalonian church. What if every person we came in to con, uh, into contact with during the day, we either said a, a prayer out loud with them or, or silently prayed for them. Paul prayed for his churches. Paul prayed that God would continue to make them worthy of his calling. In other words, he said, 
You know, he's affirming God's not going to leave you. He's going to finish this course in your life, and you are going to be worthy of of his calling. Uh, He also prays for them that he may fill every resolve for good. May fulfill every resolve for good. Now, we don't use that term resolve very much. But what it actually, think of New Year's resolution, right? You resolve to do something the next coming year. You are determined. It's a, it's a choice that you make that is a determined choice. I resolve to do this. And he's just saying the Thessalonian had made certain resolutions, certain resolves that they wanted to keep. And Paul is praying that God would fulfill every resolve for them for their good. Very powerful prayer. We could pray that for people. What is on your heart today? How can I pray for you? How about your spiritual life? Where are you not satisfied with your spiritual life? Where do you want to grow? And how can I pray for you in that area of your life? He also prays that every work that they do would be of faith by his power. That it would be of faith by his power. Have you ever tried to do the Christian life in your own strength? It's ugly. <laughs> it is ugly. And I mean by that, it just doesn't work. When we try to do the Christian life in our own strength, we end up uh, being frazzled. We end up being burnt out. We end up giving up. Uh, it ends up in a lot of bad ways. We need to learn how to do it by his faith and by his power. And so we can pray that for other people because Paul prayed it for the Thessalonian church. Now he tells them all of this. He goes through this greeting, the thanksgiving, the encouragement, and the prayer. And then he tells them, this is the reason that we're doing this. Verse 12. Let's look at verse 12. He says, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you get that? I don't know if I ever always got this when I was a younger Christian. The importance of God and his glory. And the importance of us living for the glory of God. It almost seemed like it was something that was esoteric and something I couldn't really grab a hold of. But God's glory is the manifestation of all of his beauties and perfections. I heard it described that, one, that way one time. God is a beautiful person. He is beautiful in all of his characteristics. He is beautiful in his love. He's beautiful in his grace, in his mercy, in his forgiveness, even in his anger against sin, his wrath against sin. He is perfect in all of these. And he wants that for the good of his people to be displayed to everyone so that we might enjoy him. So look look back at what it says about the coming of Jesus here. If I can find it. Verse 7, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God 
and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And skipping down to verse 10, when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, that is our destiny. That is our destiny. That is what heaven is all about. That we will be in heaven and we will marvel at the Lord Jesus Christ, his glory, his perfections, his beauty forever and ever and ever. And you might say, well, that sounds kind of boring. It will not be boring. <laughs> it will not be boring. It would be the most grandest thing that we could ever experience. He is infinite, and we will spend an infinite amount of time glorifying and being glorified in the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. And so things that we think of here that are fun for us to do and seem important like our hobbies and like our, our possessions will seem tiny in comparison and it will go on year after year after year and our joy will only grow more and more and more year after year after year millennia after millennia after millennia and so it's it's wonderful that we're going to experience this and so he is worthy to tell others about right if we love them we want them to experience that same thing and i believe that if we look at Paul's method here, that we can have better relationships with people and get below the surface to really what is going on in their life. First of all, greet people in a kind manner and show concern for them. So every visitor that comes in here, we should greet, right? We should greet each other, but especially our visitors that come in, and we are good about doing that. We greet them. We give them words of kindness. We show concern for them. We tell them that God loves them. We show thanks to them for their lives and their walk in Christ. We all have different walks, right? We're all going through different things. Some people have good days. Other people have had terrible days that day. But we're thankful for them that they're persevering in their walk in Christ and even for an unbeliever, there's things that we can commend them about that they're doing in their life, right? We can, we can be a positive influence in their life. Thirdly, we encourage them with truth from God's word. The truth from God's word is always good for people. <laughs> it is always good for people. If we speak it in love, right? Speak the truth in love. And it is always good for people, although it may seem harsh, although it may seem difficult for them to hear at the time, if we do it in patience and truthfulness, it's going to be good for them. And then finally, pray for them. Uh, we've been on several trips around the city of Noble, city of Noble, village of Noble. And uh, we've knocked on doors, we've talked to people, we've asked people if we could pray for them. Only Charlotte has had every, one person ever deny that he wanted him to pray, for, for her to pray to him. But most of the time, if you stop and ask, even if it's a stranger, they, you may go to the door and you may say, well, how are you doing? And you can tell from their face that they're not doing well. And they might share it, they might not. Um, but if they share it, and if you say, would you mind if we pray for you? They will not, they will not say no. <laughs> and in your prayer, you have an opportunity to pray for them, to lift them up to the Lord, 
to share with them the hope of Jesus Christ in that prayer. And so let's, let's, let's at least for this week try to remember, greet, show thanks, encourage, and pray for people. And I think our society would be better in the long run if we could do that. Father, we thank so much for this opportunity that we had to look at your word and look at it from a little different perspective. So many times we're trying to understand everything that the word says, and we've done that today, but we've also looked at how Paul has presented this information to the church at Thessalonia, and he's done it in a way that prepares them for the message that is to come, but also uh, encourages them and affirms uh, the goodness that is in their life and shows thanks for them. So I pray that you would help us to follow Paul's example this week, that we would uh, greet people, show concern for them, that we would uh, lift them up in thanks and that we would encourage them and that we would pray for them, that we might uh, lead some to Christ. And we ask all these things in his name. Amen.